Hey, Real Nerds listeners, your favorite host, Ryan, here to remind you that social media is great. How great is it? There's many ways you can find the Real Nerds on social media. You can download us on iTunes. You can listen to us streaming on Stitcher Radio. You can call us 720-6Nerds5. Aw, man, our website is so cool. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You want to leave some fan mail? Oh, that's so easy, realnerds at gmail.com. Twitter, we got it, at real underscore nerds. You can even like us on Facebook. Thank you so much, and hey, enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Nerds at Denver Comic-Con 2015. We hope you enjoy the following interview. Welcome to the Real Nerds podcast. Uh, once again, live on the Denver Comic-Con floor. Now, we have something very special going on here. So, for long-time listeners, you will remember, like, probably two years ago, where we had, I think, two or three episodes in a row where we kept talking about these, these weird movies that were, like, half good from this guy named Christopher Mim that... Like, this guy just sent him to us in the mail with, like, a real short explanation of what was going on and why he did this. And we were like, okay, well, we'll check these out. And we kept coming back and going, like, okay, like, we traded them back and forth between each other. And, like, we're comparing notes on what was going on. And now I sit here and it all kind of makes sense (laughs) uh, because we have... Christopher Mim with us on the show. Chris, say hi. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> it's going really well. I'm the king of half-good movies, as you know. <laughs> okay. High praise. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, uh, if, and I'll tell some of the story and then maybe you can fill in the holes. If I remember correctly, this was a thing that started as an a annual project in honor of um, your father, correct? Yes. Cool. You have one so, hell of a memory, sir. Right. <laughs> so every year, you get your friends together and you guys make a like usually some kind of sci-fi horror like genre piece movie right but they're all done up in the sort of classic drive-in 50s 60s yeah right Right. it kind of feels like a like what mst3k would be dying to exactly to send up in one of their films um i call them new old good bad movies (laughs) that is Oh yes, you get it. The funny thing is, is, though, this is what's so great is that I feel like these things were a conundrum, and now I meet you, (laughs) and I'm like, oh, you know exactly what you're doing, and you're actually really good at it. Then it's funny because, like, you know, I do a lot of conventions around the country, and it took me forever to finally come up with a way to just describe them to people quickly. And it was always like, oh, so these are like old movies? No, they're new. Old movies. <laughs> so they're bad? Well, they're, yes, but they're good bad. You know what I mean? Right. So they're new, old, good, bad. So it took me about six years to finally come up with new, old, good, bad movies, but it's the perfect description for what they are. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they both, they feel like backyard films, but they're of a higher quality than most backyard films. I'll take that, yep. Right? Like, but yes, at the same yes, time... Yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, like, you do a better job than most people who do a poor job. Right. Right. And, all, and this is all in a good... Sense. This is yes. all good. See, I, I always tell people that it took a long time for me to get used to people coming up to me and saying, oh, your movies are terrible. I love them. <laughs> 
And it's like, I know what they mean, and they're being nice. That's right. a good thing. It's like, yeah. the movies are awful, and I absolutely love everyone. It's like, okay, you're complimenting me. You're hurting me at the same time. But I totally <laughs> right. understand, and exactly. you're right. And I'm sure that there are people online who are listening who are like, James, you're a douche. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. New, old, good, like, bad movies. Is no, there's no better way to describe my films. Gotcha. So, honestly, I think what I'm most interested in is you have this group of friends that you do this with now, right? right. Like, what is that relationship like? Like, do you have Antagonistic. now... Antagonistic. <laughs> <laughs> do you have now, like, 10 years worth of the most fun times with your closest friends? You know, we've... Yes and no. I mean, there's obviously, in, in doing any, any kind of creative pursuit, you... And I'm sure you want to kill your buddies sometimes, too, because oh, they God, drive yes. you nuts. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's the same thing. And, and it's, it's a lot of close friends and family, so... Right. And we, we have a shorthand now, and we just know what we're doing, and we know what we can, you know, depend on each other for. And we have a lot of great stories and a lot of interesting ones from going out and promoting them, obviously. Yeah. Uh, if, you've ever, if you've ever worked at a sci-fi convention, you always have a lot of interesting stories about interesting people. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, it's, they're fun to do, right? And, and I think that's what keeps us always coming back. Yeah. Is ultimately we're having a good time doing it. And obviously... They're not particularly, I don't think of them as professional. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of a, a amateur, I'm a professional amateur. How about that? <laughs> you know, where I, I have a process you're, down. Yeah, you're really good at being amateur. Right. Uh, and I, like you said, they're, they're, they're maybe a step above your average sort of basement. Oh, they, they totally are. Basement movie, but they're still a basement movie. The sets are still made out of, you know, yes. cardboard and duct tape. Right. We actually keep a running tab of how many rolls of duct tape we use really? on every movie. True. How, what's the, what's the which movie had the most duct tape? Uh, there's a movie called Attack of the Moon Zombies, and we used right? probably about thirty-five rolls of white duct tape for our sets. Wow. <laughs> was there was there a set made entirely of duct tape? Uh, damn close. I mean, it was like we used it. We just we bought white melamine because we wanted. To, it's futuristic, so it has to be white and shiny, right? Sure. Like a really crappily built Apple store. <laughs> and we, we joined everything with uh, duct tape. And gotcha. so every set had several rolls of duct tape on just used in creating the set. Right. So, so yeah, in essence, yeah, the sets were made of duct tape, yes. <laughs> My first monster was half duct tape. No kidding. Really? Yes. The monster of Phantom Lake is garbage bags and duct tape. Oh, that's right. I remember. Right. Yeah. That's right. And, oh, and a mop bucket. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. All right. So, I mean, beyond the awesome story about your dad, like, what were the movies that you were that you were emulating? Who were the directors that you were most like, dude, I want to be Ed Wood? Well, honestly, it's two people. I mean, you have Roger Corman, strictly right. for the guy, because of his output. Just sure. the sheer right. numbers yeah. of films that like guy's Woody made. Allen of old sci-fi right, films. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, that there, you know, because someone asked me once, you want to be Ed Wood? And I was like, no, I want to be Roger Corman. I want to make tons of movies. Ed Wood didn't want to be Ed Wood either. No, like, exactly. He wanted to be, you know, uh, oh, of course, now the Roger name. Roger Corman. Roger Corman, right. Yeah. Um, or uh, Bert I. Gordon. Who, okay. Uh, you know, that made, one I don't know. Well, he made uh, The Amazing Colossal Man. Okay. He made The Beginning of the End. Uh, he made Earth versus the Spider. He was, he was, uh, he made Valley of the Giants and, uh, um, Food of the Gods. Oh, uh, okay. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, Food of the Gods. A lot of what he did was based around giant things. Right. Things getting big. Big yes. rats, big spiders, big people. Anything where he could, like, composite stuff together. Right, right. Yeah. 
And actually, he started off. He started out as an ad guy in the Upper Midwest. I'm from Minnesota. Cool. He's from Wisconsin, and he actually started off in Minneapolis, St. Paul, as an ad guy. Uh, but he really, really wanted to make movies, so he drove to like L.A. and started knocking on doors. I mean, this is old school, like early '50s. Yeah. And he literally just started knocking on studio heads' doors, like, "I want to make a movie." And they're like, "Okay, what can you do?" I did some ads. <laughs> All right, well, here's $20,000. Go make a movie. And he made the movie. I think it was The Cyclops. And they're like, okay, well, we made some money off that at the drive-in, so make some more. Right. Uh, but he was he was kind of famous for being, uh, you know, creating special effects that necessarily weren't being done at the time. So he did a lot of cool force perspective. And, right. And as a director in the 50s, um, you know, a lot of what I do is kind of, you know, I make it up as I go along, so I respect any director right. who made it up as he went along. Uh, and back then, they had to, you know? Yeah. So I just, I find him somewhat fascinating. And he's still alive. Really? And he's in his 90s. And I got to meet him, actually. No at, way. At, at a convention. It was like, it was the coolest thing, because it was like, hey, man, how, how's it? Oh, my God. <laughs> and I told him, I gave him some of my movies, and... and uh, he was really gracious, and he was like, yeah, well, my advice to you, get the hell out of Minnesota. <laughs> and, then he, and then he was like, and then get on Create Space. Create Space is the wave of the future. Really? He's like, okay, thanks, Bert, uh, Gordon. It was just, it was crazy. I mean, it, yeah. Monster Bash in Pennsylvania, which yeah. is a great convention. Cool. Um, Pittsburgh. Cool. And it, it celebrates classic monsters. Yeah. I sound like a pitch man for it. Go! No, it's it's a really good one. I mean, especially for what I do. I mean, right. it, it makes some sense that yeah, if, you if you're like, making monster movies in your backyard, you need to right, go Right, you're thing. making black and white monster movies. That's the kind of place you want to be. I don't know if Comic Cons are always the best place. Because you have to... Oh, no, dude. I can think right to, now, nobody here understands No, you. you have to explain it. You're usually yeah. getting the like the grandparents who brought the right. grandkids down in their homestuck you know, costumes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so... So what does your process actually look like? Like when this, when the time comes around each year, or or maybe you know as soon as you're done with the next, with the last one. Generally, they've overlapped a little bit, like okay, that, where I'll already know what I'm doing next, yeah, uh, and I'll have an idea, and and I generally I, I make a point to finish the last project first. Oh, good, because I know that if I just start getting distracted, because you know by the end of the end of the process, you're so damn sick of whatever it is you're trying to finish, right? yeah. That I know if I just started paying attention to something else, I'd never finish anything. Right. So I just force myself to finish. But in the back of my head, I know what I'm doing next. And then I jump into writing a script, and I I only ever really do one one draft. Yeah. And I do that on purpose because I don't want them to be that great. <laughs> I don't want to, like, worry about making right. sure they're perfect. Right. I want it to just be either just so awful it becomes good. Right. Or I just luck into making a good movie. Right. You know? Uh, and then we just sort of start the process. And the team, again, I've worked with them long enough that, say, my, my, uh, I have a guy who does mask work. His name's Mitch Gonzalez. He's done a lot of my masks and, and special effects. He'll say, okay, what's next? And I'll give him some ideas. And he's like, all right. A couple of days later, I'll get sketches, and we'll just, we'll just start going. So and you so guys like, like storyboard stuff? Uh, to an extent, yes. Like, you know, do you know what you're shots are going to look like no before? no okay no, all right no, it's no. not that far it's not no, that far um you're not like unless it's something really really specific i mean after doing now 10 movies yeah when i write i kind of mentally storyboard things as i write the script right and so i'm as as the as i make more and more films i'm starting to sort of work 
sort of mental storyboarding into how I write the script. Yeah. So I'll even write edits into the script where I imagine I would make them. So I right. don't, you know, because I'm, I'm much more comfortable in the editing process now, yeah. having made 10 films. Um, and you can even see it. If you watch my first one, and it's just so, like, straightforward, like, this guy's talking, therefore we shall look at him. <laughs> this guy's talking now, we shall look at him. Right. Uh, now it's much more all over the place. I'll do more reaction stuff. I'll do more creative angles and stuff. Uh, and, of course, I just released a movie called Danny Johnson Saves the World that I was describing to you as a 1950s sci-fi Muppet movie with kids. Right. And that one in particular, I mean, that's it's very... It's much farther away from my first film than anything right. I've made. And even just in, in story structure and things that I've picked up over the years. So, so are you... I'm going to ask the hard question here. Are you afraid that as you get better at this, your movies will get worse? Yes, actually. <laughs> uh, it's, it's sort of like the uncanny valley, you know? It's right. like the, the better CGI gets, the creepier it becomes, the right. less realistic it becomes. You have, to, you have to worry about that when you're trying to make sort of, quote-unquote, authentic, uh, bad, good-bad movies, right? Right. Because what makes a lot of bad movies, those good-bad movies, is that you have to have that sense that the person making it had no idea. Or they were just so incompetent that it comes through. Right. Uh, like a birdemic, you know? Something like that where it's like, right. it's so incompetent, <laughs> it becomes awesome, you know? <laughs> so then it becomes this weird line you have to straddle of, okay, well, I want to make a great movie, uh, but if I make a, like, even just a, a mediocre good movie, it just becomes a mediocre movie. Right. As opposed to a good bad movie. Right. So you really do have to straddle that line. Wow. It's hard sometimes, you know? I I'm just I'm I'm flabbergasted by how sane you are. Like it's it's I, unbelievable. Yeah, I mean you overthink the weirdest little details. I yeah. mean, and again, that's why I only do uh, one, one draft. Yeah. Oh know? yeah. Oh right. Uh, that's why uh, a lot of times I limit people. I'll say, okay, you get two takes. That's Holy it. Holy shit. Whatever we get, that's what we get. Yeah. Because and, because even though you don't have that encumbrance, at the time that the movies you're emulating were made. They only had enough fill. They only they only had enough money for one shot. Right, exactly. Right. Whereas you can like right. it's Digitally, digital. Like, you, you can, can just dump do this, it. Yeah. You can do four thousand you know takes of one shot right. until you get it absolutely perfect. But back then, it's like, well, we have twenty minutes of film and we have a scene that's five minutes. Yeah, you got you four get, takes. You get maybe three. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's just it. Uh, and so I try to emulate that a little bit. Also, as a director, I always tell actors, look. Uh, every actor who comes into my movies instantly is like, okay, I'm going to act really, really bad. And I would say, don't do that. Yeah. No one back then was like, I'm going to act really wooden. They were just wooden, right? right? Well, the director was awful. I say, no. If you got Shakespeare, give me Shakespeare. Yeah. The fact that you're in a movie with, you know, a, a robot made out of a garbage can, <laughs> that's going to be the joke. <laughs> you're not the joke. Everything that's going on is the joke. Right. And then, I mean, I... T I so you have to play it very straight. If you don't, you you kind of ruin the illusion. Yeah. It becomes a, a spoof, a straight spoof of just... It becomes airplane, you know what I mean? Where it's like, right. ha, we're making fun of disaster movies. And, Which is not what you're doing. Right. And, and I I try to be authentic to it because a lot of other people, their first... You know, like Larry Blameyer who made uh, Lost Skeleton of Cadabra. Right. That's a very straightforward, very funny, very well-made spoof. Right. Right? And I don't want to do that. Right. I could, but I just... I don't want it. So I would, I, would, I would rather go for 
I want people to be confused sometimes as to when these films were made. Right. Are are there rules about what you can and can't do? And like, like especially when you're making a, a creature or something like that, are there rules about what you what you can make that creature out of? And and how honestly, how hard you can work? Well, you know, uh, we we have to at least at least done like latex masks and and at least stuff like that, right? Yeah. Um, you gotta. Especially making these genre 50s pictures, there are certain rules that you almost have to follow just to stay within that, right? You can't yeah. do boobs, you can't do blood, really. You can't do swearing uh, or certain things because it'll instantly take you out of that era, right? Yeah. It'll become the 70s or the 80s or something, right? If you're making a horror movie, you can't show all the blood, you know? You have to imply certain things. Right. Same thing goes with the monsters, you know? If you make them too realistic, yeah. right? A lot of times I go for googly eyes. I mean, that's one of the things that instantly says 50s, you know? Or things made out of paper mache, you know? Things that instantly say to you, you know, the outer limits or, or the Twilight Zone or something. Or, yeah. or something like the really early Corman films like Attack of the Crab Monsters or something. Right. Which those were some of the worst, worst, like, uh, creatures. They're awesome, but they're so paper mache, you right. know? Uh, and so you got to... You really got to be careful not to overdo it. So sometimes you add touches to it specifically because you want it to look bad. Yeah. You know, but not bad. You see, I mean, it's it's a weird line to straddle. It really is. <laughs> it, it's got to look like you were trying but didn't have the tools. Right. Right. Yeah. So while simultaneously trying to make something decent. Right. So what is the what's your horror story? What's the thing that you tried to do or that you accomplished that was the most pain in the ass, hardest thing to do? Wish you maybe maybe wish you hadn't even tried it. Well, I don't know if there's anything that I wish I hadn't tried. I'm I'm, I'm sort of grateful for all the stuff that I've been able to do just because yeah. it's been really fun. Right. I think the absolute hardest thing is is the movie, I, the giant spider that I made. Yeah. We used a real tarantula. Okay. Okay. And there's a lot of challenges in getting the tarantula footage to match the actor footage. Tarantulas are Fair. boring. I mean, they just want to sit around and be left alone. Right. And then they're, they, they're hungry, they find something to eat, they go back to their corner. They're if, really not aggressive If creatures. they were 10 stories tall, you're saying they probably would not terrorize the no, citizens they, of the... No, they yeah. would sit around until they got hungry, and then they'd find something, eat it, and then go hang go out back for and a sit around couple and be weeks. Right. right. They're just boring. Yeah. And so getting using a real tarantula and actually getting it to fit and look good... But not too good. <laughs> uh, and, and get it to interact and, and be exciting in some of these scenes yeah. um, was really challenging. How did you do it? Hopefully uh, you didn't torture the, the no, tarantula. No, no, uh, What we did is, is the tarantula actually belongs to my son, uh, who's 12. Right. Uh, and we, uh, we, we built a blue screen box out of like yeah. a, a blue Rubbermaid. Right. right. We cut out uh, a side of it and put plexiglass in front of it. And then just set up our camera in front of it. And if you blow air at a tarantula, it'll move. Gotcha. Little hairs on its legs will move. And it'll be like, oh, I have to need, I have to move. I'm being bothered in some way. Right. It doesn't bug them, but it's enough to annoy them to move. So we just put them in this box, set up the camera, and then just blew air at it and moved it around. And yeah. basically collected about 20 minutes of usable spider footage. And then just composited, composited it into the footage of the actors we had. Yeah. And hoped for the best. 
And I did it totally bass backwards too. I, I shot, you should, in essence, when you're doing special effects like that, it's a good idea to film the spider first. Right. So you know what you're acting against. Sure. I did it the other way around. Right. Filmed all the actors and, and then, then hoped you could get a spider, spider to crawl around right, a building. That would actually make some sense. But it, it came out really well. I mean, right. it's, it's, I'm actually quite proud of that movie that it turned out to be a really decent film. And honestly, probably a mistake that a lot of those guys made. Yeah, right? oh There's yeah. There's probably a lot of guys who were like, oh shit, we didn't get the, we we didn't get the giant chameleon footage yet. We should have done that first, son oh. of a bitch. Well, maybe we can find some stock footage or something, you know? <laughs> no, it turned, out, it turned out really good, but it was, it was a lot of work to make, it, to make it fit. Yeah. And you end up recycling footage, but that's another of those things they did back then. You know, they recycled the same monster shot over and over again. Right. So it actually worked really nicely to my advantage. Yeah. yeah. How, long, how long does it take for you to, um, for you to make a film? Uh, I've got it down to about a nine, nine to ten month process. So re- it really is like as soon as you're done with one, you just you're you starting have to jump the in the next one, one or you lose the yeah. momentum. So you're spending all year like, hey, this weekend we're going to do this scene. Right. Next weekend we're going to do this right, scene. Right, right. And it's always sort of like, okay, well, I'm going to start. I'll, I'll write the script. That's step one. Then we do all the pre-production. Right. Then we film it. Then we edit it. But the way we film it, because it's, uh, you know, we're working around people's day jobs. Right. So it's like, well, we can shoot this Thursday night and then next Monday and then maybe the following Saturday. I'll be editing as we shoot as well. Gotcha. So then it allows us to go back if we need to. I sure. mean, it's, it's, it's almost a little more of an organic process than, shit, this is the footage we have. What the fuck do we do with it now that right. we're missing stuff and it's now snowing outside and we need sunshine? Yeah. So we'll at least be able to, to keep up with it. And I think that makes it go a lot faster, too. Yeah. Because then we, we don't have to go back or wait. Yeah. Which is my big fear of not getting something and then being like, well, what do I do now? Well, I think that's totally fair because even though, like, I think in essence you're breaking the rules by allowing like allowing yourself to edit while you film. Right, right. But the people who are making those movies also filmed them in a week. Right. You know, like they, they right. made sure those actors were all available. Right. right. So you have your handcuffs, they had theirs. Right. So see, I've never been totally able to fair. do that. I think it would be... I honestly think it'd be really fun to try and do that where we actually shoot a movie in two weeks. Yeah. Just shoot everything and then just say, nope, we're stuck with what we got, make it work. Yeah. Because that'd be, uh, you know, a very Corman thing to do. Right. Very cool. Awesome. Well, Dean, do you know what you're doing next? I don't yet, no, because I literally just, just released the one three days ago. Gotcha. We had the world premiere three days ago. Um... I have a million ideas, though. I mean, that's that's just it. You start down this road, and you start doing this, and you kind of get a head for it, and suddenly it's like, you know what I haven't done? I haven't done a Giant Man movie. I haven't done a you know this movie or that movie. And there's so many cool things. Uh, and I try with every movie to do a little something different. Yeah. That's, again, reminiscent of old movies. Like, I did a Giant Bug movie, finally. I did a double feature. You know, it's a fake double feature, but it's a double feature. Right. Very classic kind of thing. And I just... There's a whole list of things I still haven't done that I want to do, but it, I haven't necessarily picked what's next. I mean, you've almost done, you've only done 10, so maybe this is unfair, but like, is it almost daunting because like now you're locked into this thing where you're like, every year, how many more years can I do this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, 10 in 10 years, there's a part of me that's like, maybe I deserve a year off. Maybe I should take some time off. But then a part of me is like... Yeah, but I feel like I have some momentum after 10 years. Why do I want to lose it? Right, absolutely. And I have people now, honestly, that 
for, for the last premiere, we had people flying in from other states just to go to the premiere. Holy crap. And we sell, you know, we sell, we usually sell at this, this big 400 seat theater and we have all these, these, you know, we, there's, there's a bit of a cult following that's actually growing now around right. it. Uh, and like I said, we have people who come in from out of state just to be there. And, you know, I have people who are like, this is our tradition. Don't stop. Don't ruin our tradition. We come to your movie every year, yeah. and we do it up. You're Don't res- wreck it. You're responsible for my life now. That's right. You're going to ruin our family tradition, and it's all chaos from that point forward. Wow. Don't do it. Wow. But there's also a part of me that's like, how long can I do this? Right. You know? How long do I even want to do this? Yeah. And they are tiring. I mean, that, that, that time frame is, a, is exhausting. I mean, we, we did a web series, and we shot it the way you're talking about, where you do it over weekends, and you squeeze things together. It's a pain. It is. It is taxing. It and is. When you have a job and you have other things you're doing, it, it takes a, it's a big chunk. Well, so, obviously, you know, we have wives and kids and, and families and just, you know, day jobs. And it's, it's rough yeah. sometimes to uh, try and keep up right. with it. Cool. Plus, well, each one gets a little more intricate. That's the thing is that as we're learning more things, we're, we're doing more techniques and actually, you know, spending more time doing these things. Uh, so the process becomes a little more daunting each time. Yeah. So that makes it harder year after year to sort of maintain a, almost a quality level as they're getting better from wow. a quality standpoint. So it almost becomes harder and harder to do one a year. This is amazingly fascinating. I, I didn't <laughs> want you to know that. Like, I'm, I'm, I did not think this interaction was going to go the way it did. Like, as soon as I met you, I was like, holy shit. This is, <laughs> oh, my God. He's not a crazy, weird guy living in his basement. Right. That's exactly yeah, what oh, I yeah. was afraid of. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've been to these things. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. It's so, man. Okay. So, Chris, how do people get in touch with you? How do they follow you? How do they support? Uh, I would say check me out on my website. Uh, right. I have a production company called St. Euphoria Pictures. The website is stuphoria.com, and it's all spelled out. But most people don't. They usually spell it wrong. Yeah. Uh, so I just tell people, go to go to thegiantspider.com. That'll get you where you need to be. Okay. <laughs> and it's easier to remember. Thegiantspider.com. All right. Nobody else has taken that one up. Right. Cool. I was surprised. Giantspider.com, not available. The Giant Spider, available. Just sitting Ooh. around. <laughs> <laughs> Only somebody like you would figure it out, man. It's amazing. <sighs> Actually, quick story. I know you're sort of wrapping yeah. up here. No, you're but good. Speaking of uh, URLs, is that... I, I always, for every movie I make, I, I buy a URL. Sure. Right? And I was thinking about, I was like, I got to buy this URL for this, this idea I have, this, this title I want. Yeah. And I go in and I look it up and I'm like, it's taken? Who stole it? I, I've been talking about this to other people. Did someone I know, like, pounce on it? Yeah. And I was like, crap, who would have stolen my damn URL? They knew I needed this title. Who would take it? And I pulled up the Who Is thing, and I'd already bought it six months prior. <laughs> totally forgot. I was like, dumbass. Uh, oh, man. That's yeah. wow. Yeah. That's too cool. Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, it's thank really you been for cool. having me. It's um, a, I, yeah. I just walked by you randomly. I was like, hey. I, I know. I, I think know I sent these guys a box of stuff once. I know once. those guys. Awesome. It, yeah. It's really been cool. Thank you so thank much. Thank you very much for having me. Keep doing it. Thanks. Seriously. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Real Nerds interview at Denver Comic-Con 2015, and we'll see you next year. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You want to call us? 720-6nerds5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover. 
and also Spark Mandrill for the wonderful late night jazz smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production. <laughs>